where have we just sort of been assuming and counting on the fact that, you know, people know, like, and trust us. They know that we're experts, they know that we have authority, that they can trust us uh, to, to have that. Where have we been assuming that where it may not necessarily be true? I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 335 of the Leading Learning Podcast. The end of December is within easy sight, and so we want to spend a a little time here at the end of the year for reflection and take a look back at 2022, particularly with an eye to what we learned, both formally and informally. And we're sharing our reflections as a reminder and encouragement to you, dear listener, to make some time to reflect on your own and with your team. Reflection is a good practice, but it's easy to forget or put low on the priority list, or at least it is for me, because there isn't necessarily a concrete outcome from reflection. But reflection is an important activity for a learning business like the one you and other listeners are in. And Jeff and I are part of a learning business ourselves, and so we'll try to model the kind of behavior and reflection that we encourage others to engage in. So maybe we should start out by looking at some of the the major milestones for Tagoras in 2022, Tagoras being the the parent company of Leading Learning. And we did have uh, a few pretty big milestones. That's right. The one that pops to mind immediately is the fact that we hit 15 years in business as Tagoras in 2022. And that was a significant uh, achievement. And if you put together the other companies that we've been part of, we were thinking about it prior to hitting record on this. And it was 2001 that we started our first company together. So we've been involved in learning and learning technology and the development of, of, of learning offerings for a long time at this point. That's right. And we were working together before that, even in the mid-90s, back in those you know dot-com days. And, you know, to hit 15 years, I don't remember the statistics right off the top of my head, but I know the number of startup businesses that, you know, make it past five years, much less make it to 15 years is quite small. So we're, we're truly grateful for, you know, all of the, the organizations that have worked with us over the years. Um, and, you know, for all the listeners out there who listen to the podcast, who come to our, our webinars, who read the, the newsletter, um, those are all part of our business. Um, you know, they're, Practically speaking, there is revenue associated with all of them. It's it what's uh, that's what keeps us going. So yeah, we're we're extremely grateful, and that does feel like a big one. Now we did not have the podcast when we got started 15 years ago. That's something that we've added in the interim. We also didn't have the leading learning brand when we got started 15 years ago. When we got our start, it really was a focus on consulting services and offering those to learning businesses. That's true. We've evolved a lot since then. Obviously, consulting still very core to, to what we do. But, you know, we, we have built up uh, followers for, as you mentioned, that the podcast, the webinars, and, you know, everything we do. We have other lines of business now, too, that we focus on. You know, many listeners are probably not aware, for example, of our learningrevolution.net site where, where we really help experts who want to take advantage of what's now possible and sharing their expertise with the world. And that's been a very fast growing part of our business now for the past few years and, and continues to grow. So 15 years in business, that's a big milestone. Another milestone that I see when I look in our rearview mirror is the, the fact that we've added more staff, that we've grown our numbers in 2022. That's true, because you know, it's just you and I at the start. But then, uh, you know, the, several years ago, 
uh, Jackie Harmon did uh, join us part time, and she's been working with us on projects like the Leading Learning podcast and the events we've held. And uh, she's been instrumental in the growth of uh, LearningRevolution.net. And uh, she, you know, joined us full time at the beginning of 2022 after after being part time for so long. And and of course, you know, also joining us full time was uh, Josh Goldman, which happened a little bit earlier, but who is now a director of our consulting services. That's right. He joined in 2021. But the fact that he joined in 2021 meant that this year, 2022, we added another consultant. We had Crispin Nelson come and join us on the Tagoras team. That's right. And uh, so, yeah, you know, we're we're getting older and we're getting bigger uh, at the same time, though we're still committed to being the right size of company. We're not growing just for the sake of growing. There are things that we feel it's important to do in ways that we want to serve the audience that we serve that, you know, to the extent that that requires more people, there will be more people, but we're not going to grow just for the sake of growth. And so if we think about the fact that we hit that 15 years in business and that we now have more staff, more than just you and me, Jeff, uh, that kind of leads to the third thing that I think about when I look at 2022 from a Tagoras lens. And that's just the fact that we've really started putting time and effort against getting more buttoned up, being more reliable and predictable and therefore more viable in all that we do. That's right. If you were, uh, you know, been a fly on the wall around here lately, or maybe it's a fly in a, in a Zoom session these days, <laughs> uh, I don't know, but you'd hear a lot of talk about systems and procedures and, and structure and, you know, just get every, getting everything really well aligned so that, you know, as, as we do consider more growth and as we continue to evolve as a company, it's, it's clear how we do things and, and who's accountable for the, the things that we do. That's right. Accountability and and also really clear focus so that, you know, when it's not just you and me, we need to make sure that everyone on the team really has the same goals in mind. And so that's also part of, of what we're doing in terms of these efforts to get more buttoned up. So those are kind of some of the milestones from Togoras, the 15 years, uh, in business, adding more staff, and then just these efforts to get buttoned up. But I think it would also be interesting to talk about some bigger picture moments from 2022, if we look kind of broadly at society and the world and what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's still true that the, probably the star of the show, though, the, the star is now fading a little bit, is COVID, that we're now, you know, supposedly emerging from the the COVID pandemic. It's not so fully center stage, but I think it's still clearly factoring into decisions even at this point. Yes, I think so. And I think that there are a lot of decisions and the way that people make decisions that will carry forward from the pandemic. Um, I, I think, for example, that people are likely to maybe make decisions about whether they're going to travel much closer to the date of when they will travel if they're going to. So if you think about something like a place-based conference, I think those decisions are going to come later and later. And I think that may continue just because people aren't sure exactly how, how big a star COVID still is and they want to be able to potentially stay home if numbers are spiking. I think that people are also going to be thinking about, does it make sense to gather in person? Sort of COVID aside, I think we saw during the pandemic that you can do very important, good work online together. And so then there's just this question of, is this something I really do need to be there in person for? And I think people will be asking that question of themselves 
and maybe of the their team members, those that they manage, and that may impact what people choose to do going forward. Yeah, I think it's, you know, going to continue to impact, for example, how employers think about, you know, whether they're hiring people to come into an office, whether they're still keeping that office space or, or not, and just kind of what the makeup of those teams and, and where those people are physically looks like going for, forward. And that's one thing that's on employers' minds. It's on everybody's minds. I think sort of going along with that is the state of the economy right now as we uh, are, are wrapping up the year. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of shakiness in the economy. I'm not an economist. I don't even play one on TV, but you know, it doesn't take much awareness to to hear all the conversations and concerns about inflation, about the food costs that are soaring, and, and just that has really direct impact on what people are able to spend and, and willing to spend on things. Yeah. And I feel like when I was younger, inflation was a thing. You heard about inflation fairly often. I feel like we just have not been hearing much about inflation for years because there just hasn't been much, you know, but now it's back. Now interest rates that were so low or zero for so long are coming back up again. The, the stock market, you basically just have to put your blinders <laughs> on and hope for the best at this point if you've got, uh, you know, 401k accounts and, and that sort of thing and just stick it out for the, the long haul. And of course, if you've got things going on in the background, like, you know, the, the war in Ukraine is spiking energy costs, that again will factor back to travel decisions. Uh, a lot of things I think are going to impact how travel happens, whether that's for events or for holidays or, or whatever it is. But yeah, just uh, plenty, plenty out there in the economy right now that is with us in 2022 and is going to carry on over into 2023 with us. Well, and some of those supply chain issues that started early on in the pandemic seem like they may be sticking with us as well. We have China and their maybe evolving zero COVID policy, but that seems to still be impacting supply chain. We'll have to see what the longer term ramifications of that are. And then, of course, there are kind of renewed speculations about a, a recession in the U.S. in 2023. We'll have to see if that pans out or exactly when it does. But in general, it just seems like the state of the economy is kind of a, a big question mark. Definitely a big question mark. Nobody really has the answers, but of course, there are a lot of people who will act like they have the, the answers. And that, that sort of points us to another thing that's going on out there that we've seen evolving over the course of uh, certainly this year and even before this year. Yeah, we wanted to talk about distrust of expertise and the distrust of large institutions. And I'm thinking as one data point around this is is some of the research that the Pew Research Center has done, and they like to track trust in the government. And I know that, I think it was from June of, of, of 2022, they came out with their latest findings there, and only two in 10 Americans say they trust the government in Washington to do what is right just about always. And so just about always, that's only 2% of people say that, or most of the time, 19% of people said that. Um, and so, you know, you, I think you just have a lot of distrust in the government. Um, you know, we have things like the challenges to election results. Um, you know, we have misinformation out there in terms of both elections and getting back to the pandemic and, and some of the misinformation on that front as well. And of course, you know, there were early stumbles with the pandemic around, you know, masking or not masking, some of those things that you know, people are looking to experts and saying, give me the answers and they're getting confused. And, and then they're saying, well, then maybe these experts aren't really worth that much. And the misinformation question, I mean, we know, you know, now there are algorithms and bots that are helping to, to spread the misinformation. So it, it is a 
a huge issue. And we're seeing, you know, the, 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 the people who have traditionally been seen as kind of the backbones of, of expertise, you know, doctors and other types of professionals. You said earlier, you're not an economist, you know, <laughs> economists are, you know, usually looked to as, as experts. And in a lot of cases, those people are, are being called into question. We'll see, you know, doctors or others who are associated with promoting kind of, you know, questionable products. It's just, it's kind of a, a mess out there. It's getting harder to distinguish fact from fiction, really. Well, yeah. And another data point around this is ASAE has included rejection of expertise and declining trust, those two things among their drivers of change. Uh, those didn't come out in 2022, but I think the sort of predictions or those drivers of change are becoming even more prominent drivers of change. Um, and there was a session at ASAE annual, right, Jeff, that you had the there, there was. I, I was you know, kind of pleasantly surprised to see it happen, but a, a group there pulled together a session around this question of expertise because, you know, trade professional associations are often seen as a, a source of expertise because they're, they're often the home of experts like, you know, doctors and lawyers and accountants and, and the people we rely on for expert advice. And so if there's a general distrust in, in institutions, that can be an issue. And that's that's what this group was bringing up and looking specifically at, I hope I get the name and the title right, but I think it's Tom Nichols' uh, uh, Death of Expertise. And there are a number of books out there like that, that are looking at expertise and sort of the decline in our faith. And I think, I think this has often been an American thing that we sort of have our, our level of distrust, but I think it's becoming a, a more global um, thing and it's becoming more pronounced. At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you're looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com services. So we started with kind of a more personal look at 2022 from the Tagoras lens, and then we went kind of bigger picture and talked about more societal issues. I think it could be interesting now if we kind of put those two together and see what we see. Yeah. So let's go back to COVID and that sort of fading star, or we hope fading star in the, the show. We, as representatives of Tagoras, did go back to attending some face-to-face -face conferences for our own learning and, and networking in this in this post-COVID world. So, you know, started doing that in the spring with, uh, I believe, was Learning Solutions the first one? I can't yes, remember. I believe that was the first one. We also went to CEX. CEX. I managed to go to ASAE Annual. And then I've recently joined a new board of directors, and I went to the annual conference of that organization in Boston recently. And guess what I came back with? <laughs> Well, I already know. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dreaded COVID. And of course, ironically, this was on the eve of our having plans to hold our own first face-to-face -face event, admittedly a small one, but we we're going to have a gathering in Washington, D.C. I came back from this other event and two days later was feeling terrible and it was close enough to the upcoming event that we ended up having to cancel. So we were foiled in our own efforts so far to return to face-to-face and we do plan to try that event again in, in the spring. But yeah, it, I think this speaks back to just that 
the shaky situation with COVID and just really hard to know when it will be something that you can say you're going to hold an event and hold an event and, you know, there's sort of no, are no issues related to COVID. It still seems like we might be a little bit away from that, especially for something like ours, where it was a, a small gathering, you know, and the fact that, you know, once one or two people can't come, it, it has a big impact and it makes it then less viable to, to gather together. Now, I do think, and, you know, this speaks to why we went back to in-person conferences, why we were organizing this event in D.C., is that despite the potential risks of gathering in person, people still really want to gather in person or maybe especially want to gather in person after a time away from it. And I think there is potentially real value in gathering together if you can do it in a way that you're really taking advantage of being there together and not just being on Zoom. Yeah. And I, I think there's just certainly a lot of pent up demand for that. I mean, it was great to get out and see some people that I hadn't seen in, in quite a long time, you know, as, as a result of uh, being able to travel to a physical event. So it was very thankful for that. And, you know, that translates into, we already mentioned the, the change in the kind of office in, in environment and, you know, organizations becoming more virtual, some deciding to go completely virtual. You know, it, it just happened serendipitously during the midst of COVID that we actually had to leave our old office space just because the lease was running out and one of the other tenants was going to take over that space. So we had a decision point, you know, were we going to actually take on more office space or not? And in the end, we decided yes. Yeah. And I think that speaks to this idea of even in a world where so much is remote and where work from home is possible, there is, again, value in the physical. And that can mean both gathering together. It can also just mean the pure space that you have. And I think that even in work from home situations, people often find value in making sure that to the extent that they can, that their workspace is somewhat separate from their living space. And so I think just remembering that even as so much is virtual, the physical spaces and people, that's important as well. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of drawing on, you know, COVID and, and how that's impacted us and some of our reflections on that. And then this whole, you know, question of the shaky economy that we're in right now, the uncertainty, you know, inflation certainly makes you think of the cost side uh, of things. I know that both in our personal lives and business life are becoming more, more cost conscious. And, you know, if you're any sort of business, and this certainly applies to learning businesses, people are going to be looking at cost more. They're going to be looking at price tags more and they're going to be asking, is this really providing something relevant, providing something valuable, providing something useful for me? So being able to make that case, being able to demonstrate your value very clearly to pull people into your offerings is just going to be more important than ever. Maybe that's kind of on the bad news side yeah. of the equation, On maybe on the good news side of the equation is that, you know, currently we have a lot of job vacancies in the U.S. And I think that can translate to increased demand for onboarding and upskilling and reskilling. And so if that's something that your learning business offers, I think there's a potential to really serve an important role in what's going on right now in our economy and be an important help in this work to fill some of these job vacancies and get the people right people in the position, get the people having the right knowledge and skills to do their job. Yeah. At this point, every learning business ought to really be taking a close look at where that's happening in the particular market that they serve, you know, where 
those upskilling needs are where they're likely to be onboarding type needs as there are kind of shifts in the composition of a trade or a profession or whatever it is that uh, you happen to serve with your learning offerings. And then saying, okay, what can we offer there? How can we make it as valuable as possible? Uh, communicate the value of it effectively. And if you can do that, you know, if you can connect with that need and really demonstrate and communicate the value of what you're offering, there's a lot of opportunity out there right now for learning businesses. And so then if we move to that third kind of big picture item, that distrust of expertise in large institutions, and if we think about some implications from that, one thing that comes to mind for me is just that I think that getting good data is even harder, and yet it's so important to still have that good data to help us make good product decisions, good marketing decisions, all of that. But there's, first of all, just so much noise in general but then now there's this distrust, like, why are you asking me this? You know, do I trust you to hold my answers and hold my personal data and keep it safe and keep it private and protected? And so all of that's just making it really hard to get good market insight. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, having the relationship just counts more than ever now. And, I, you know, as part of what we're doing strategically as a company going forward is really evaluating that and figuring out, okay, where have we just sort of been assuming and counting on the fact that, you know, people know, like, and trust us, you know, that they know that we're experts, that they know that we have authority, that they can trust us to have that. Where have we been assuming that where it may not necessarily be true. And, and we need to invest the time in building new relationships, um, reinforcing relationships that, that we already have so that when, you know, when we do want to reach out and, and say, will you help us gather some data or will you participate in this event or offering with us? that they're going to be more likely to do that because they've got that trust in us. And two things come to mind for me. One is, is during this year, during 2022, I feel like the, you know, the Black Friday, the Cyber Monday, the Giving Tuesday, I mean, it was, I was absolutely overwhelmed in my inbox. And so it was really hard for anyone to stand out. And I think that just, that speaks to just this idea of, of the noise. But if you can have the relationship, that really does help you stand out. And I got, for example, on Giving Tuesday, I had so many kind of mass emails. I got one email from a personal friend asking on behalf of a nonprofit. And that's the one that stood out that mm. I you know, didn't sort of delete right away because there was that relationship there. That was one thing. The other thing that occurred to me while you were talking, Jeff, was that maybe you should talk a little bit about EAT. EAT, right. Yeah. So expertise, authority, and trust, uh, which forms nicely into uh, an acronym, which I know many of our uh, audience are very familiar with the acronym world does. So EAT. And, you know, we, we mentioned that for a couple of reasons. I mean, it's just a good thing in, in general for your audience to feel like you have the expertise or you, maybe you're the, you know, the conduit to the expertise because you've got the membership, you've got the subject matter experts in your membership, but you can represent that expertise that you truly have authority and that you're trustworthy, that you know, you've know you done your homework, you've got your experience, you've vetted whoever it is that you're putting in front of your audience. All of that's just very important in general. It's also extremely important now just out in the digital world. It's you know one of the factors that, that Google mysteriously factors into you know how it decides it's going to rank websites and put information in front of people. And if you don't have good expertise, authority, and trust in the content that you're putting out there in the world, eventually it's going to hurt you. And of course, that can be true even if in reality you do have it. 
if you're not representing that in a believable way digitally, you know, out there where Google and the other search engines can find you, where people can share you on social media, those sorts of things, then you're, you may be defeating your own purposes. So it's something to really pay attention to. So at the outset, we said that there isn't necessarily any concrete or preordained outcome from reflection, but I will say that reflection often plays a role in informing future action and future activities. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've already mentioned some ways that it's going to impact us in terms of, for example, how we think about relationships going forward. We think about our own expertise, authority, and trust and how we're representing it out there. But, you know, the main message is to take some time to reflect on this type of stuff on your own and then with your team. And we strongly encourage doing it on your own first so that you're forming some opinions and some thoughts and everybody's not just sort of, you know, nodding at each other and engaging in group think when you sit down to have a group reflection session. It's, it's always good to do it individually first. That's right. So do the thinking on your own and also ask your team to do the thinking right. on their own. Then you come together and discuss. And I think then you should also take some additional time to think then about what those reflections suggest about your priorities for the new year. It might give you ideas of what you should double down on. It might also give you some ideas of things you need to stop doing, things that you might need to sunset. So that's our look back at 2022. At leadinglearning.com episode 335, you'll see options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe. Yes, please do. Those subscription numbers give us some insight into the impact that the podcast is having. We'd also be grateful if you would take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you enjoy the show. Jeff and I personally appreciate ratings and reviews, and they help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Lastly, please help spread the word about leading learning. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 335, you'll find links to connect with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Yeah.